Well, good morning. Um, I was not anticipating to be up here this morning, but it seems like um, that's how it worked. Uh, Richard and John had to go to Elmendorf to just uh, do some meetings there. Uh, Jacob had an unfortunate event. So I was contacted to try to fill in. It's just going to be a short devotional. <clears throat> um, I guess I'm still working on uh, a message to bring concerning my journey with my wife. It might be in a few weeks. But... Uh, I guess here we are. And uh, like David mentioned, <clears throat> I guess what's been on my heart is what's happening uh, with our brothers and sisters in Elmendorf. Um, like you mentioned, especially if, if you entertain the thought that it could be someone, a neighbor, or it could be someone even from their own community, which is extremely hard to think about. Uh, it's very difficult to try to wrap your mind around that. But through it all, going down there and spending time with them and uh, a little bit and sitting in conversations hearing and listening to people talk and express their opinions, different things. You just come away with a mixed bag of emotions and uh, what it all means, what our response should be, <clears throat> what to do if it would actually indeed be worst-case scenario of someone purposefully setting these fires. So uh, that's basically what my devotional will be on. It's a short devotional. So let's uh, pause for a word of prayer before we begin. Father, we just want to bow before you and thank you for who you are again. Thank you that you are sovereign, that you know, you see, and you understand our struggles, our trials, Father, and that there is nothing in our life, Father, that is coincidence or just happenstance. We just want to give ourselves once again into your hands, and especially the brothers and sisters in Almendorf as they are wrestling through this trial. We just want to pray your comfort your peace upon them, Lord, that you will walk with them, that you will show them the right way to walk in, Lord, that you will help us to keep our eyes and our minds and our hearts fixed on you, Lord. We just want to continue, O oh Lord, to do what is right and good in your sight. 
to remember that at the end of it all, we stand before you and we give an account of what we have said, what we have thought, and what we have done in the body that you have given us. So we praise you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start with a story. I recently watched a movie called uh, Free Burma Rangers. It's a true story of a group of guys who are led by a retired Army Special Forces guy. And he, along with his family, put together a group of dedicated people whose mission it was to be and to follow the front lines of civil wars to help the wounded and those needing aid, especially the women and the children. He started this out in Burma. Eventually, he went to Kurdistan to also help out there. And uh, this one scene that, that got me was while he was in Kurdistan, he once ran into a family. They came across a family as they were following the front lines. As the, as the, as the army had moved on, there had been families there in that valley that had been liberated. And they were filming all of this. You could see it. And they came upon this family, and he, he stopped there, and it took time to spend with this family, with his group there, visiting with them. And you could just see on their faces of that family the elation of just being um, free, finally, from the tyranny. They're finally free from the oppression. And uh, they were thankful. They were just talking with them a lot, and... As they were there, they decided that this family decided they were going to get on their tractor and ride down the road to visit some friends. And about 20 minutes later, uh, the guy is actually called Dave Eubank. Dave Eubank and his crew hear this loud explosion and they almost immediately knew what had happened. They started running toward the sound, and sure enough, down the road they came upon the family who had driven the tractor on a landmine that the soldiers had planted as they were retreating. And you can see this as they're filming. They come up to the scene. There's no uh, editing or um, there's nothing really blurred, blurred out. And you can see there the children sitting around crying and wailing. The father is laying there dazed and covered in blood. And then they show this little girl uh, that's covered in blood and you can see that she has just died. Anyway, help out as best they can and uh, help the wounded and they start back. And as they're walking, the cameraman is, uh, he has the camera on Dave, and you can see that he is visibly angry. He is distressed. He just feels uh, this is too much. Just 20 minutes earlier, he has uh, 
his family had been liberated and he has spent time with them, talking to them. And now here they are. Obviously, their lives are ruined, all because of an evil act of someone. And later that night, he, he sat down with his Bible and he asked God if he cared. He said, God, do you see what is happening? Do you see what just happened? And he asked the Lord to answer him. And he took his Bible, he opened it, closed his eyes, and he put his finger on the page. He opened his eyes and he read the verse that his finger had landed on. And here's what it said. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You know, the whole verse says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. <clears throat> so as you look at and think about the tragedies that have occurred around in the world, in our lives, in Almondorf, what do you come away with? What is our response to those horrific events? What happens if indeed in Almendorf it is arson and the perpetrator is caught? What do we do with such a person who deliberately destroys a community's livelihood and well-being from which they will probably never recover? And even in our own lives, we face things that we go through in little ways, where we want vengeance. We do not want people to just go by, to get by scot-free. In our human nature, our human nature does not want to extend any kind of mercy. That's just the way it is. The human nature of man, we want the person to suffer just like we suffered. We want them to feel the pain and loss just like the pain and loss that they caused us. We want them to get what they deserve. I'm glad David read this psalm here, Psalm 103. Those two, this verse here is uh, from 8 to 10. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He had not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And at the end of the day, 
This is how we have to see our own selves. And a lot of times we can't make sense of these things. We can't make sense of things that happen in our lives. We can't make sense of atrocities and that we see around the world, especially if it involves women and children or your children being abused or killed or something like that or kidnapped or whatever. It is at these times where we sincerely wonder, like Dave Eubank did, Lord, where are you? Don't you care? Do you see what's going on? You can prevent this, and yet you don't. But there's, there's a scenario, and, and we can say it's one of the, one of the um, worst-case scenarios if it actually, and sometimes it does happen, where someone comes into your community, and maybe you could say in this case, they end up taking your wife and your children from you, and ultimately they end up perishing. It can't get worse than that. So what do we do with such a person once we get our hands on him? That person deserves to die just like our wives and children. Uh, men, our whatever, our boys. And as I was thinking about this, I was meditating on the fact that, you know what, this story once happened in the New Testament. The man's name was Saul of Tarsus. And I was just thinking, imagine meeting a man like this after the fact. And he now says that he is a follower of Jesus. Guess what? That does not bring my wife and children back. Anyway, he slice it. It's great that he found Christ, but what am I supposed to do with my ruined life? How am I supposed to look this man in the eye and just uh, think that everything's okay? I don't know, but it seems like God gave them the grace that they needed to act in a way that God was glorified. I don't know what Paul did. I don't know what he said. I'm sure Stephen had a, a mom and a dad, a family, and there were many more. But get what they deserve. We all know what we deserve as sinners. But which of us do get what we deserve for our own sins? And as I'm standing here, you might think that I'm trying to just be a super spiritual hero. Because I'm not the one that's affected. It's not my livelihood that is destroyed. You think, well, would you just let the person burn the whole place down? No, I wouldn't. 
I would try to put a stop to it. I would try to find whoever it is. And I think you can back that up with Scripture. Sin does not just roam or uh, is not, doesn't just, uh, shouldn't be, just be rampant. And, uh, but what, by the end of the day, what do you do when the person is caught? What is our response? And I believe our response should always be forgiveness and redemption. Uh, you can go wherever you want in Scripture. I don't think you'll find a different outcome. Redemption and forgiveness. We have in, in, but there are also scenarios that if this person is indeed belligerent, unrepentant, they are to be put out of the church. But at the end of the day, we still have to deal with our hearts. No matter, no matter what our feelings are, what our human nature, our flesh wants to do, at the end of the day, we have to deal with that. And I'm always reminded of uh, people that have suffered the most tragic thing and that come out of it ending up forgiving. It's those stories that we all love. It's those stories that, that um, where God is glorified and that change our hearts, that show us that if these people can find the grace to do this, then God does indeed have grace for me as well. Christians are often labeled as weak and cowardly. And indeed, there are many Christians who hide behind their ancestors and the Bible just to save their own skin. They don't really believe in what they say. They don't stand up for it. It's simply something that has been passed down by this is who we are and this is how we live. But inside, it's not really a conviction. It is simply, um, it is cowardice. It's weak. I have another story here. Uh, it's also a military story. If you know the man, his name is Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss, he refused to kill an enemy soldier or carry a weapon into combat because of his personal beliefs. So he was consequently made a medic assigned to the infantry division. And anyway, the story goes... They ended up being trapped on an, on an escarpment up in Okinawa. I think this was Japan or something. And uh, his, uh, they, were, they were under fire. There were a lot of people, or over 50 people that were wounded in that fight there. And his men that were with him, Went, retreated and went down, down the cliff again 
and he decided he was going to stay up there to see what he can do. So during the night, he ended up taking these men and dragging them over to the cliff and lowering them down with ropes. And uh, what was amazing to me, what impressed me about this story is that he not only let down the American soldiers, if he found a Japanese soldier that was wounded, he took him over and lowered him down. I don't know what the soldiers at, on the bottom did there, but that's, this is what he decided to do. And it says he saved the lives of 50 to 100 infantrymen. After the war, Das initially planned to continue his career in carpentry, but, oh, I forgot to say that uh, he suffered a left arm fracture from a sniper's bullet during this time. And at one point had 17 pieces of shrapnel embedded in his body after a failed attempt at kicking a grenade away from him and his men. He initially planned to continue his career in carpentry, but extensive damage to his left arm made him unable to do so. In 1946, Dawes was diagnosed with tuberculosis he had contracted somewhere during the war. He underwent treatment for five and a half years, which cost him a lung and five ribs. Das continued to receive treatment from the military, but after an overdose of antibiotics rendered him completely deaf in 1976, he was given 100% disability. He was able to regain his hearing after receiving a cochlear implant in 1988. Despite the severity of his injuries, Dawes managed to raise a family on a small farm in Rising Fawn, Georgia. Now, I call that, that's bravery. Either way, that's not cowardice. That is standing up for what you believe in. And in the end, he suffered for it you would think that this man should be, he, 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 God needs to protect this man. He needs to heal him. But this is not how it is. That's a lot of times that's not how it works. Because not everything is just going to be restored. There is going to be pain and loss. There is not going to be a, a Job-type ending a lot of times. Micah 6.8 He had showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. To do justly. You might think, well, there's our answer. We need justice. But this justice does not mean revenge. This type of justice that he mentioned in this verse is to bring justice to those that are oppressed, to bind the, the bonds from those that are oppressed to, to heal the wounds from the, to bind up the wounds from the wounded. I think it's in Isaiah somewhere. 
That's the oppression. That's the just the justice that he was talking about. Is those that are oppressed by society or by by um, people that think they are they are above them, and things like that. To love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Our response to tragedy and perpetrators will not go unnoticed. At the end of the day, we have to put aside our own agendas and and vindictive mindsets and pray that Christ will indeed show us his way and how to act with these people. And I will not stand here and say that I have the answers to every situation. I don't. I, I seriously don't. And sometimes what comes out of me surprises me. Most definitely. I recently had a situation where I had to really check my heart once again. Each situation is different but our response determines what is actually in our hearts and whether we indeed believe what the Bible says about how we should act towards those who destroy us. What would Jesus do? Oh, the old cliche. What would Jesus do? It's a good question. Simply put, A lot of times we do not want to accept what Jesus would do. We don't want to accept it. It's it's very plain as we read through the scriptures of how Jesus acted. But we don't just don't want it. It's too easy. We have to be careful that we don't have the heart that his disciples did. This one time they came back and said, Lord, we went to this village that chased us out. Should we call down fire from heaven and destroy them? And he simply said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are. I did not come to destroy, but to save So, it's not an easy life. It's not easy being a follower of Christ. There are many different things we face each day, even here in our own community, as we interact with each other. When things are being said that we know is untrue, unkind, What rises up in our hearts? Do we have vengeance? Do we seek opportunities where we can get back at this person? And a lot of times we tend to just not do anything. We simply give a cold shoulder, we ignore, and we do not speak to that person. I've done that. 
But if Christ is working in your heart, if the Holy Spirit is present, this you will not be able to continue in that for very long. I know that. And in the same way for the brothers and sisters in Elmendorf, if Christ is indeed working in our hearts, our initial reactions are often we want, we want justice, we want punishment, we want them to feel the pain that we experienced. But if the Holy Spirit is present there, you will notice one thing, that mercy triumphs over judgment. And no, I'm not at the point where we just sweep everything under the rug and pretend it didn't happen. But I also don't quite know what the right thing to do is. And I think this is where we, as a people, need to seriously pray that God will indeed show us very clearly and plainly what the right thing to do so that he will be glorified. So, thank you and God bless you.